This is a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, Rob Fay Nation can't slow down. It's gonna go. First offense. All the mix. Okay, party people in the house. You're about to witness something you've never witnessed before. Alright, it is Sports Bar Radio, the post-mortem of the 2021-2022 Vancouver Canucks season. I am joined by VancouverHockeyNow.com beat writer Robert Simpson, the hardest working man on the Vancouver sports beat. The Vancouver Canucks executive finally spoke, but before we get to that, good afternoon. How was your week so far? Oh, it's just been spectacular, Roberto. Just spectacular. But before I tell you about that and talking to Bruce Boudreau, the coach and the executives and all the players, um, you got wrestling coming up. I do. And you know what? I actually had the Commodore Ballroom reach out to me about 10 minutes ago because Bruce Boudreau, apparently in this presser, they were bringing up the wrestling belt, and he said if there was a good wrestling show in town, he would take the belt right to them. You How do what? I get a hold of this guy? That's Here's the problem. He's leaving Wednesday, and your show is Thursday because I was going to invite him over, but he's going to be gone. You know, that's cheap heat for Bruce Boudreau, knowing that he's going to be leaving town the next day. Yeah, I know. But that's fine. I, I was bummed. I was like, dude, I, was, I, I didn't even bring it up because I didn't want to like get him excited or disappoint him and all that stuff, and... Cause he has things he's got to do when he gets back to Hershey, Pennsylvania, he's, you know, he starts his stuff and he's going to go to a, you know, Hershey bears, AHL Calder cup playoff game, et cetera, et cetera. So oh, I didn't even get great. into it. Cause I was like, he would have loved it. He would have loved it. Dude's totally into wrestling. Well, okay. Answer me this because, you know, in listening with the post game presser or part of me, the postseason presser kind of got mixed feelings about the commitment that the Vancouver Canucks organization has long-term to Bruce Boudreaux. Now, I think people were assuming that he was going to get quote-unquote extended, but it sounds, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I've been known to be wrong before, that they just want to ride out that one last year that they've gotten, then they'll assess where they're at. And, How do you and feel about that if you're Bruce Boudreaux? Uh, well, here's the thing. Jim Rutherford made it very clear and I and I and that might have been on purpose, kind of publicly today to say this is how it's been done. He said when Mike Sullivan won a Stanley Cup in 2016, the contract wasn't touched. He just moved on to the next date. When he won the Stanley Cup again in 2017, same thing. We just moved on, didn't renegotiate, didn't do anything. He just we just kept the contract. And then I think he said halfway through that next season, they said, okay, well, let's start talking about an extension beyond what we have. So in this case, Gabby Boudreaux has an option and the team has the option. Terms will not change. It's for the one season. Both parties have until June 1st to commit to the existing deal. Basically, Jim Rutherford said, we're committed to the one-year deal. We want to see how he does with this team from training camp through to the end, and then we'll go from there. Bruce Boudreaux can say, the Leafs just lost in the first round again. They're going to fire Sheldon Keefe. Hell yeah, I'm taking the Toronto Maple Leafs job. The way the Leafs looked in game one, that might not happen. They look pretty focused, but then again, one game is not a series. Anyway, he'd take the Toronto job in a heartbeat if for some reason the Leafs got bumped in the first round again. Um, and that's assuming A, they lose in the first round, and assuming B, they would actually fire their coach after that. 
So. Well, I would assume yeah. that if one happens, the other is going to happen as far as Toronto goes. And we'll touch on the Maple Leafs in a second, but just to circle back on Bruce Boudreau for even one more question here. I think, well, let's just put it, I'll cut you off. I think he's just going to say, you know what? I'll, I'll take the deal. And if he doesn't I, I not, not, not take the deal, I'm just going to honor this option and then kick some ass. And then we'll see what happens at the end of next season. Okay, but but further to that, we're, we're talking about certain jobs that are plum jobs, and the Maple Leafs job is definitely that. So let's say Tampa Bay finds their stride, they oust the Leafs, even if it takes seven games to do it. You've got to imagine, knowing that he's got the full month and with the Leafs all of a sudden on the shelf, that that is a legitimate possibility because of what he did in Vancouver this year. Like what he did in Vancouver could not have been a better audition for teams that are scuffling and shuffling. Now, I'm going to say that if it was 90% of the teams in the NHL, he would, quote-unquote, honor Vancouver's offer. But Toronto is a different vibe, and he's got a connection to that city. I would say that that's the one job that he might leave that one-year option on the table for. Would that be fair to say? I, would, I wouldn't I would say might. I would say in faster than a heartbeat. Mm. And I've actually kind of had this conversation with him, to be honest. So as unlikely as that is that all of these little events will occur, and I don't know if whether he's waiting for that series to unfold just just as a just-in-case before, uh, you know, saying recommitting, I don't know that. But I'll say it. Uh, to cut you off once, I, I, I guarantee he's waiting. Because he won't get a one-year deal from the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're gonna they're gonna bring him in for a couple of seasons. He's got more job security. It's a, a city, a team. He's connected, dude. There's no way he's not waiting at this point. Come on, man. You know he's waiting. Well, I'm gonna be talking to him in the next 24 hours, so I will uh, put it down on VancouverHockeyNow.com when I find out. Well, he's but, not he's not gonna give you anything publicly, but you might get the you might get the grease because you guys are boys. He might. Uh, but here's the thing. Um, <laughs> he is a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. He's a Toronto kid. He's Toronto, Toronto, Toronto. And if that job were made available and offered, he'd be there on the next flight. So, All right. Okay. So we've, we've got, we've got Bruce's options. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about this Vancouver Canuck team, because yeah. there are a couple of players right here. Um, I'm not going to get into the questioning of Brock Besser by certain media members. I really don't care one way or the other, but I want to talk about what the road is for him. We've talked about the road for Bruce. What is the road for Brock? That's a great question. It was brought up today to Patrick Aldine, uh, the general manager. Uh, Jim Rutherford did most of the talking, by the way. But um, Patrick Aldine is, is this kind of this transition continues and responsibilities grow he said they'll be talking to him uh, and trying to get a deal done so there's a lot of different ways it can go um i mean you could <laughs> i you know it's a seven and a half million dollar qualifying offer which i don't think they're that crazy about um i don't know their full opinion on the player to be quite honest um it's not a guy you just want to let walk to unrestricted free agency you'd prefer to try to get something for this player they essentially have two months to figure out what they're doing so that's uh did you qualify him or you don't that's really 
what they're looking at right now or offer them a, a deal, offer them a, a contract for, you know, however many years and however much money. And that's if you're committed to the player. I mean, so, you know, one of the things I will say, and we've both been around sports long enough that I think we can understand when it's a quote, feel good story. And when you physically have to move on. Obviously, Brock Besser is a part of the fabric of the city. I think a lot of fans are endeared to him. They understand the story with the father and and everything. But beyond that, it's a business. And I think right now for the Vancouver Canucks, I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse that they've got a new regime, but neither Patrick Alvin or Jim Rutherford are, quote, married to Brock Besser. They weren't the ones that brought him in the organization. They weren't the ones that really watched him develop. So I guess to throw that to you, is it a blessing or a curse that you got a couple of fresh set of eyes that maybe don't have those heartstrings uh, attached to Brock the way that maybe the previous regime did? I think it's a blessing because they, if you're looking at it from the team's perspective, it's a blessing because yeah, they don't have the the ties. And you know what? Jim Rutherford's going to do what's best for the hockey club and, and putting W's on the board in, in the win column. Uh, you know, people get over it. You know, let's just put it that way. You know, eventually everybody gets over it. And if, if it was an off season maneuver or a deal that's done and he moves on, guess what? Everybody's going to get over it if the, if the team's winning hockey games. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think it's that big of an issue for them. Uh, and they'll do what's, whatever they think is best for the hockey club and their salary cap and improving uh, the on-ice product. Okay. I want to just kind of keep it spicy here because we've talked about Brock Besser, JT Miller. Is the big question, isn't he? And you know what? He's saying all the right things. And and it's funny that he's like, oh, I got my best friends in Vancouver. And he's, I love good guy. I, I love guys that can position well. And he's in a place right now where the 99 points talk, but so too does he, where he leaves the breadcrumbs open for either option. He doesn't, now if he leaves, he's not the bad guy. And if he stays, well, he's put himself in the fans' graces so that if he has to eat a big contract, people aren't looking at the money. They look at the guy that says he loves Vancouver. He's got great friends here. He's got roots here and all as well. I feel like he played his PR cards really well. Well, JT, this was really interesting. I don't know if this was subtle on purpose, but obviously JT has a, a year left. The question came up, okay, do we start talk, Do you start talking to Bo? Do you start talking to Miller about new deals? Um, he made reference, uh, Jim Rutherford made reference to trying to kind of building a core of players in their mid twenties. And when he, when he said that, I was, I just instantly thought of JT Miller and I, I was thinking, okay, well, JT Miller just turned 29. Um, he's had a huge season. He's got a year left. Do you wait and see, do you like, I would wait and see uh, and just see what kind of production this guy is putting out there um, in, in the first part of the season, or he's not their kind of guy. He's not their cup of tea. And they try to get as much as they can for a guy who just topped out at 99 points and bring back a bundle of players that are your cup of tea in the off season. That is a scenario I could see unfolding as much as I thought the trade talk during the season, all things considered all of the factors was asinine. And of course they didn't trade them. I could see it now being a realistic option 
depending on what their thoughts are on this player and what they think they can get in return for him. Talk about players that are ripe for the picking. I look at a guy like Brock Besser. Certain teams would probably look at him and say, you know what? We gladly take him. JT Miller, people would gladly take him. Bo Horvat is an interesting one for me because Bo is obviously a quote-unquote leader. But Bo, even with the, I guess you would say, friendly price tag, banged up over the last couple of years. The production is there, but some would say some of his stats are empty. We'll get to what empty means in a couple of seconds here, but maybe a more movable piece for the Vancouver Canucks than some fans think. At least that's my opinion. Is he immovable or is this maybe the time that you kick some tires and see if there's interest in him? I don't think anyone in this. I mean, Thatcher Demko is immovable. Quinn Hughes is immovable. And I believe Elias Pettersson with his second half and re-emerging is immovable. Um, so you want to be, obviously, it's always about up the middle. You got your goalie, you got, you want to have at least one unbelievable defense from which they do. And Oliver Ekman-Lars, it's a pretty damn nice one. He's expensive, but to have him on the second tier on the, on the left side is pretty good. And then, um, you know, Boudreaux's talked about, Hey, you got those two guys, you've got Hughes, you got Demko and you got three pretty damn good centers right now. If you, if you consider work at where Hor- Horvat Miller and Pedersen are all centers which is true. And, and that's where you want to have your strength. But again, um, I mean, I, I think it'd be hard. I think Horvat's respected. I'm not always, I haven't been entirely crazy about, I, I mean, I saw every minute of every game, but he, he did come on strong and he did play committed and he, and he did play physically to the extent that he plays physically. And and got on a pretty damn good hot streak there in the last third of the season. And unfortunately had the slap shot from Anton Strahlman snap the bottom of his tibia uh, with a few games left. But um, he, he grew on me. I, I think he's symbolic of the new NHL, the kind of the huggy, kissy, palsy, wellsy stuff. Like it drove me bats when he went over and during a TV timeout and had talked to Mark Andre Fleury twice during a break. I was like, oh, um, that kind of stuff bugs me, especially from your captain. Like, like don't be palsy wellsy during a hockey game against a team you're trying to beat. That was still during when Travis Green was around. Um, I mean, it, I know coaches that would go insane if they saw it. Like, can you imagine like the palsy wellsy with Daryl Sutter? Stan anyway, Bowman. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't yeah. want to run down. The, I don't want to run down Al Arbor. <laughs> Scotty Bowman. Um, yeah. I don't want to go. <laughs> I don't want to go off on this tangent, but anyway, he grew on me. His performance was solid. He's 27 years old. So if that's your captain and your captain's going to be 28 and you've got what Jim Rutherford refers to a group of mid twenties. I mean, that's pretty good. You you know, he's, he's not over the hill and he's right in kind of in that mix and he is your leader. So he's a little older and, um, yeah, I, I, here's the thing. Here's the other thing. He's not a guy that's going to, t- that it's really going to be outspoken. Like, I mean, when I see that Bo is going to be the, the press conference guy, and hopefully this changes and the room opens up and the media is allowed back in. Cause that's, oh my God, 95% of it, especially for me. And, 
but anytime I saw that Bo was going to be the guy talking, I said, well, this is, this is the same thing 30 times because he's not, he's not going to really reveal anything too much. He's just going to talk about mostly in cliches about having to improve this, improve that and get better and not do this and not do that. And um, that's fine, but it's, 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 it is, I guess that's what you, maybe that's what they want. That's what you want out of your captain. You want your captain to keep it non-controversial and mellow. And, (laughs) and that's what we got. All right, let's go upstairs a little bit. I mean, I think the, what was it, 20, 25 game mark of the Canucks season, all hell broke loose. And finally, Francesco and his dad pulled the strings. I just want to throw a name at you and just give me a quick grade. Let me know. And let's start upstairs with Jim Rutherford. Did Jim Rutherford achieve everything that Francesco could have hoped for? Um, I'm going to say he did. But if so, maybe you can expand on that. What did Jim Rutherford do? Um beyond just the obvious to stabilize his franchise in your estimation it, there, it's kind of an incomplete at this point because by the time we got through all the covid baloney by the time he hired patrick alvine uh and they really had an opportunity to evaluate the talent that they had it's not like they were really going to make any major moves at the trade deadline they kind of ran out of time that way so from an on ice product it's not they didn't really do squat i mean they got younger by moving hammonick out for a pick and then for a pick, bringing in uh, Travis Dermott. So you got a better skating, younger defenseman for less money. So that was a good move. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, there's not a, there's not a pile of maneuvers here to, to really uh, to grade them on in terms of the on ice product. They did hire uh, Emily Castingay. They hired Clancy, the, uh, another assistant GM. They hired, Camir Granado. So they, they brought in, they solidified their staff. They solidified their analytics department. So, I mean, they did all of the things that uh, you need to do to kind of build the infrastructure. And Jim Rutherford today uh, announced that he said, this is the last time you'll be seeing us in this room for a press conference because we are gutting this entire section of the building. We're going to upgrade the dressing room. We're going to upgrade the media area. We're going to upgrade this entire situation downstairs here at Rogers Arena. Um, we're getting a, a practice rink built. Built. We're trying to finalize that location. That's been a priority so that these guys don't have to necessarily practice at the big sheet when they don't have to go out to Burnaby to eight sheets. So, yeah, he's done a lot of things behind the scenes when his hands were a little bit tied with the on-ice product because there just wasn't a lot of time to, to really do a lot with complete evaluation and the fact that he didn't have a general manager and assistant general manager. So I think you give him, you know, I don't know if it's a grade necessarily, but it's a, it's a, he's in the A's probably because you've moved the franchise forward. You've set your infrastructure and you've made moves behind the scenes to just kind of make the overall picture that much stronger. So it's, yeah, it, it's been a great year for him and he, and you know, he uh, had his hand, if you will, or his thumbs up on the Bruce Boudreaux thing. And that almost, they almost pulled off a miracle. I had heard through the grapevine that they were looking at the Plaza of Nations where they would put that next sheet of ice, which is just across the street towards the water beside BC Place. And that has just been kind of a uh, stand standing zone for the last three, four years. And I got to wonder if Francesco is finally going to grease up and pay what it takes to get it there. I, I haven't heard the location specifically, 
But boy, there would be no better spot to put a practice arena than right across the street. I mean, you look at some of the cities that do have that connection where they're side by side and it's night and day for a player. Yeah. Oh God, it'd be, it'd be pretty phenomenal. And um, I mean, I remember when Columbus came into the league, they, they had their rink attached to their big building. Um, yeah. There's, there's a handful of them around the NHL now that have kind of done it. It would be scenic. I mean, you'd be right on the water, right? Um, oh yeah. It'd be pretty amazing. So yeah, if they can occupy that space, I don't know any deeps on that at all, but if they could pull that off, that would be pretty sweet. And yeah, it, it would yeah. be, it would be, it would be. Yeah. Uh, Rob Simpson of Vancouver Hockey Now. Just a couple more quick ones before I get you on your way. I know you've been in front of the camera for the last couple of hours. I appreciate you doing this for me as well. Um, let's broaden the lens and let's talk about some of the Canadian content right now that's still in the NHL playoffs. The haves and the have-nots. We'll start <laughs> with the Toronto Maple Leafs who came out guns blazing. And I, you know what? I don't want to get excited because I know the routine. They get me excited and then somehow in five, six, or seven, they blow a tire and they end up on a ditch in the side of the road. But pretty convincing <laughs> way because you know what? You can't win a series in the first game, but you can sure set the tone. And before we get into Kyle Clifford specifically, what does that mean for the Leafs just to at least send the opening salvo that, hey, you know what, this isn't just going to be a cakewalk for the Lightning? Well, we knew it wasn't going to be a cakewalk for the Lightning because this this Leafs team is was going to be focused and realizing from past experience that you just have to work your sack off from the, from the time the puck drops to the final buzzer, and you need to do that four to seven times, and you need to do that in four rounds, if that's where you want to get to the ultimate prize, there's no shortcuts. There's no, this, there's no, that it's just work your sack off, win all your puck battles. You know, you can go through the list because the intensity level, you just have to keep the intensity level up. That's all, that's all it is. And they did, they got some breaks. They got a team that John Cooper, the Tampa Bay head coach basically said, yeah, we almost gave them a freebie. They weren't very good. They had what seven, nine minutes of power play time in the first mm -hmm. period including a five minute major, they did absolutely nothing with it in re reference to the Clifford uh, penalty, which by the way, he ended up with a one game suspension. So um, then we had a little bit of a line brawl, which was kind of fun that resulted, I think in just fines. So there won't be any suspensions coming out of that. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's for you Leafs people. Um <laughs> It's just a matter of, uh, boy, you, you just reminded me of something too, because I was watching with one of my Leafs here in Vancouver last year. There's a, believe it or not, there's a Maple Leafs bar. And um, there were 40 people in Leaf sweaters watching the game, game seven. I was there not rooting for Leafs. And me and some Irish guy were having a good chuckle. Uh, tears were flowing um, <laughs> after they lost game seven to the Habs. So I just realized I might have to give that dude a call and might have to watch a couple of games again at this at this Leafs bar just for you know what you know what's and giggles. Uh, but surely I digress. Um, <laughs> no, I think I think they're in good um, they're in good stead this time around. I mean a three peat for Tampa. I mean they're going to be a hell of a lot better in game two. I guarantee you that. But I think the Leafs were going to be will be continuing to bring the the energy and the intensity. I don't even want to begin to try to predict. I had the I had my worst predicting day in history yesterday. Oh for four, uh, in terms of like the wager thing. Fortunately, I got the 
the early picks, the Leafs picks in so late that people only would have had like 90 seconds. So thankfully nobody lost any money there. I think it'll be a very entertaining uh, second game and a very entertaining series. And you're going to see a lot better performance out of Tampa Bay. Who's got more pressure on him right now, Edmonton or Calgary? Edmonton because of the history, Calgary because they come in as the two seed. Well, Edmonton got swept by Winnipeg last year. They lost two years ago in the little qualifier. Uh, they lose game one to the Kings, not a team that sc- scores many goals. I forgot, I, I, I had forgotten how bad they are in their own end. And a lot of that has to do with gaps and, and, and the forwards. They're just a gong show sometimes. And they showed it again, they showed it again in the opener. Um, anything is possible in terms of them potentially losing it. So, how who has more pressure on them i i mean uh that's it's probably equal i mean it is alberta they're they everybody's already saying before the series started oh geez let's come on let's get these two through so we can have this long overdue battle of alberta in the postseason which hey i'm with them let's do it that would be amazing but obviously there's still work to be done um I, I might say the Flames just based on because they were so damn good and, and the, their line, the, the Goudreau, Lindholm, Kachuk line was just so damn good. And uh, it, it's a pretty deep, pretty strong club. So I think there's, if you base it on expectations, I think there's definitely more realistic expectations on the Flames getting somewhere in this postseason as opposed to the Oilers. I think people realize, think the Oilers still have their issues. And we saw it from Mike Smith on the game-winning goal, turning the puck over. What does Connor McDavid think or do if this team pinches a loaf in the first round again? (laughs) Does he pull a Jack Eichel? Could you blame him? Like, could could you blame him? I don't know. I mean... I don't know. It's really, uh, it depends. It, I, I mean, th- there's, there's a time and a place where you, you wouldn't even dream of it. I mean, Gretzky got traded for basically for financial reasons. He was, he was more sold than anything else. Peter po- Peter Pocklington, the owner of the uh, Edmonton Oilers back then. I mean, nah, I, I there'd be a time where you wouldn't it just other than that scenario where it just never happened you'd be dedicated to your team you'd suck it up and you'd uh and you'd play and you try to get better and you know I jack you. eichel i'm not a jack eichel guy I've, i told you that before uh look at he's still he, he still hasn't made the playoffs i can't i can't remember the last time where there were so many i may well maybe outside of toronto but can't remember the last time there were so many different teams that were all trying to make sure that one team didn't get into the playoffs. I mean, whether it was San Jose or Los Angeles, Vancouver, it seemed like everybody wanted to make sure that the damn Golden Knights of Vegas did get into the playoffs. <laughs> and they finally got their wish. I'm going to finish with this one, and it has something to do with Vegas because obviously they got to retool. The, the cap situation in Vegas right now is amongst the worst in the NHL. But I read an article the other day that there could be a bringing back of Marc-Andre Fleury. And at first you think of all the strings and all the things and you know what, bygones. But realistically, if they can make that move, would you bring a guy, a absolute fan favorite back like Marc-Andre for maybe uh, one more flyby? 
Well, it come down like you just well, like you mentioned off the top, it would come down to mucho dinero because basically you got uh, Leonard's making five mil a year for a few more years, and then their backup at this point is isn't making diddly do. And that's funny. Jim Rutherford said that today in reference to uh, uh, Spencer Martin. He's like, man, if you can if you can have a solid backup goalie at the league minimum, it does wonders for you because you got a oh, good yeah. goalie and you're and you're not spending a, mo- a lot of money. And that's kind of what you're looking at in uh, the, I think it's Brisson is supposed to be the backup in Vegas, making a couple of million bucks. Uh, but he was on a long-term injury reserve, like everybody else on the roster. Um, so I don't know, it would come down to money and I don't know, would that work with Robin Leonard? I don't know if that's feasible financially. You'd almost have to get rid of him. Um, and you're not going to do that for Mark Andre Fleur at his age. So I, unless he just comes back no, I, I don't see a scenario where that happens. I really don't see that scenario, but that happens real quick. Let me circle back though. Connor McDavid, you realize it's been seven years. I know this is what I'm saying. It's his best years, man. <laughs> seven years. Gosh, I know time flies. Doesn't if it? Get, if they get bounced, I mean, but I, I have, oh God, he is, uh, what does he have left? He has uh, four more years left. So I think Connor McDavid probably sucks it up and keeps coming back for more. And maybe if it got to be another couple of years down the road and you had two years left, then, you know, you make the blockbuster to the New York Rangers or something along those lines. Right. Connor in New York would be fun. You know, I was in Toronto earlier this week. I went to Maple Leaf Gardens, which is now Ryerson University. Yeah. Slash and no frills. But man, you walk in there and you can still see the steeple for the roof. And there's still some accents that remind you of the old Maple Leaf Gardens, like the brick yep. that's all been kind of faded. And I thought back to the first ever hockey game I went to see. Rick Five scored a hat trick in a 6-3 victory over the uh, Detroit Red Wings, who happened to be playing in Toronto the night that I was there. Nice. Then I realized that that was 40 years ago that I saw that game. (laughs) 40. Now that's interesting because you would have just missed Jimmy Rutherford and net. I remember the game because it was Mike Palmatier and Bunny LaRock. That was the, uh, the tandem. Yeah. Those were the days. Yeah. Those were the days. Jimmy Rutherford left. uh, I covered my first game in November of 81 and believe it or not, it was against the, Vancouver Canucks. I have, I still have the cassette. I have the actual audio cassette. I can play it for you whenever you want. Um, there's Stan Smeal references on the tape from that first ever game. And Jimmy Rutherford, I just missed him. He literally had just left right, be- right before that, uh, right before, not long before that game. And Corrado Mikalev was the Detroit Red Wings goaltender. I actually brought that up to, uh, Jim Rutherford today during the press conference, I asked him a couple of questions about Europe and Russia and then asked about uh, Guy Lafleur. And he was sad. He was sad about it. He was mm. sad about it on a Guy level. And he was sad about it on the fact that, you know, guys his age are passing away. Like he brought up Bossy, Gillies, uh, Lafleur, And yeah, uh, very Tom. tough couple of weeks in the hockey yeah, community. I want to finish on a positive. And I want you to know that I was driving in my car laughing when I heard the Calgary Flames talking about all their updates and stuff, and they brought up Dan Vladar, I don't know what it is about you <laughs> calling him Planet Vladar, 
but it's all I can think about when I hear that guy's name now. Planet Vladar. <laughs> yeah, man. Dan Vladar, best name in hockey. It, it might be. Planet Vladar, if he knew about it, it would stick. I guarantee you. Know what, you know what's funny is, um, like, they always have really, like, how about, like, it's always the Flames. Hawk and Lube. I mean, give yes. me a break. Hawk and Lube. He's a legend. Lube. He's a legend I think that was actually my first ever jersey I got when I was a kid. My mom got it out of the Sears catalog. The Lube. Back when you can get me. No, I, yeah, Hawk and Lube. That was a good uh, team, too. Real Second quick. Player. Do you remember, by the way, how about Connor McDavid as a Leaf in, in two or three Oh, years? The, the, you know what? Hockey's, the hockey's fan base would implode. They couldn't hack it. No, they go crazy. It'd be a cons- one giant conspiracy theory. <laughs> uh, do you remember hearing? I'm going to say it's got to be 15 years ago now. The the guy, some radio show, might even been Vancouver. I have no idea. I don't. I don't recall. But they did a whole shtick where they. It, you can probably find it on YouTube, even though it's audio. They did. A, um, they tell this whole story about a guy going on a date, and and um, the whole story is made up of hockey names. So at one point the guy there's like a joke about Hawk and lube and it's pretty funny. Like if you can find it, go back and find it. It's like morning show hockey names. It is hysterical. I will of course you'd have to be old enough to like a kid. Now he wouldn't recognize any of the names. But... John Tonelli. Nobody would know John Tonelli. <laughs> Butch Goring. John Tonelli. I was going to, after he talked, after JR talked about uh, Gee and all that, I was going to tag it with, you know, 78 you you beat the atlanta flames uh in the first round and then beat the habs in game one and gila fleur and then the habs were like okay enough of this shit and they and they they won the next four against detroit kind of an upstart team (laughs) but i didn't get into that but i was thinking at the time i said if i were to say atlanta flames people in the room would be looking at me like what's he been smoking because they don't realize that they're you know what you know what i tell people all the time flames even existed but yes they did absolutely they did do you know that the atlanta thrashers were in atlanta three times as long as the vancouver grizzlies were in vancouver wow see people don't know the thrashers were there nearly 20 years what no i'm telling you right now 20 years Uh, now you're gonna make now you're gonna make me pull it up (laughs) here we go i got it you know what so what was it? 92. Let's see. They went. Uh, yeah, I guess that's about right. I'm yeah. telling you this. I've had yeah. this conversation with a All bunch right. of people that's and they're like, fine. there's no possible way. Yeah, no, I guess so. It would be 90 something to whenever they went back to Winnipeg, which geez, God, talk, talk about let me fly. What has that been? 10 years? Now I got to check. Yeah. 90 something to about 2010 ish. So that makes sense. Yeah, you're right. All right. And well, they had uh, they had what's his nuts? Uh, their big pick. Oh God. Oh Patrick Steffen. No. Well, yeah, that was a bad one. But I mean, Danny Heatley, and then uh, no, I'm thinking the who's the Russian guy. Anyway, I got in trouble with the league once. I was doing a road. I was the road team in the building doing a on live on cam between periods and said something made a joke about the. Uh, <laughs> I made a joke about the attendance and I think our producer got a phone call from the league in the truck. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Cause there was like 4,500 people there. I was like, this is a joke. I go, I've, I've been a bigger, I've seen bigger crowds at a Greensboro generals game in the ECHL. Yeah. They didn't appreciate it. 
by the way, I, it's it's eleven seasons. <laughs> It's oh, not, 11 seasons. It's not 20. It's 11. 11. By the way, you know what the fun trivia question would be? The Atlanta Thrashers made it to the postseason one year under Bob Hartley. The question would be, who Say did they, they lose to in the playoffs in the first round? Rangers? I don't know. That'd be the trivia question. That's what I we're working on. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's the Rangers. I, they, I thought they played the Rangers. Um, yeah, 11 years. You know what I think the 20 years is? It's like they, It would have been recently that they passed 20 years total like including the Winnipeg years. I think you're bailing me out here. But anyways, I, I just talked about the tenure for the Vancouver Grizzlies and even the mighty Atlanta Thrashers were in Atlanta twice as long as the Grizz. But I digress. Rob uh-huh. Simpson of Vancouver Hockey Now, thank you for your time. I think this might be a record for the longest recording we've had together. Yeah, it's it's magic. But let me tell you what happened. Hold on a second here. I'm just looking this up. This is great podcast right here. I know, right? Is everybody wait around? Um, it, it, it doesn't tell you who the hell they played. That doesn't make any freaking sense. Okay, never mind. Eh. Oh, wait, here we go. Lost first round, 2007. I'm telling you, it's the Rangers. I do. Re- I think I remember the series. Yeah, they were uh, they were swept in the first round by the Rangers. Thank I love you. It. Thank you. There you go. So they never technically won a playoff game in their history. Well, no, in Atlanta. They never, they never in that zone. Playoff games. I might even actually have been at one of those games now that I, if I contemplate it, but amazing. Robert Simpson, stop by anytime. I, hey, by the way, congratulations on a great job with VancouverHockeyNow.com. I know you do stuff with the guru and all that, but you put a boatload of content out there, and Vancouver Canuck fans were better for it. So, congratulations on a great season. And I am sure you will be in Penticton for training camp, and we'll do it all over again. Penticton Young Young Stars Classic, September 14th to the 18th, baby. They gave us the calendar today. Awesome. Enjoy your day, my friend. Thank you very much for the comments. Thank you very much for your support. Great job on all these, by the way. And I look forward to whenever we do our next thing. You're listening to Sports Bar Radio with Rob Fay, brought to you by Equity Guru. Equity Guru, investment information for millennials and madmen.